0: Welcome to the Real Estate Trainer Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Eisenhower. I'm the CEO and founder of ICC or Eisenhower Coaching and Consulting. ICC is one of the largest real estate coaching companies in the world with thousands of clients and a large team of the most accomplished coaches in the industry who coach many of the highest producing real estate agents, teams and broker owners in North America. You can find more content on my website, the world's leading production training website for real estate agents at therealestatetrainer.com. That's therealestatetrainer.com. Now on this podcast, I'll share tips, success stories, and training for agents and brokers looking to increase their business income while maintaining a balanced life. So whether you are a new licensee, a solo agent, a real estate team leader, or maybe a team member, a broker owner, or a manager, you are guaranteed to learn something new on each and every podcast episode. What is the name of your new book? The name of the new book is The High-Performing Real Estate Team. In a nutshell, we're going to talk about a goal, okay, and we call it a viral goal, you know, a team goal or an organizational goal. Welcome to Grit, the real estate growth mindset podcast, hosted by Brian Charlesworth, founder of CSU. CSU provides growth automation software for real estate you'll hear stories from real estate thought and technology leaders, team owners, and brokers on how they grew their business in a rapidly changing industry. You'll learn how to transform your brokerage and teams into a high-performing and analytics-driven business so you have a new, durable, competitive advantage against disruption in your market. So let's get right into it.
1: All right, hello everyone, and welcome back to The Grit Podcast. I'm Brian Charlesworth your host of the show and today i'm here with brian eisenhower and brian has a long-standing background in real estate uh he's the ceo and founder of eisenhower coaching and consulting and they provide all kinds of coaching that we'll learn more about today for teams brokerages agents in addition to that brian has served on numerous boards of real estate platforms uh, also, I think you also served on NAR, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Brian, I read somewhere. But anyway, Brian's a an attorney and nationally recognized real estate coach, trainer, author. And so we're going to get into that today and uh, speaker. So anyway, Brian, I don't know what I've missed probably a lot, but welcome to the show <laughs> and uh, feel free to, to add anything you'd like to that.
0: Oh, that's good. That's good by me, Brian. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, my pleasure. So just uh, getting started. So you've been in
1: the real estate a long time now and have seen not only like changes in industry cycles of the 2008s of the world and now what we're, what's hitting the, hitting the market today, but you also, so I think have been around long enough to see some major changes in just technologies that are available to people. So I'd love to hear about how you got started in the industry and just maybe walk us through where you feel the industry is at today i'd be really interested in your take of that
0: sure uh well, i've been in it for about 30 years now uh, so it's been a long time yeah i was pre-internet you know way, way back way back that so technology was scientific calculator uh back then uh so pre-internet so yeah. if you were there pre-internet that would be pre-mls uh, well no mls was around but yeah the online mls yes uh we, we just had books you know with with Yes. Smudge marks that look like houses in them uh, that we faxed photos in, and, and and then they got regurgitated back as ink blots as as, as photos <laughs> of houses. But yeah, it's been a while. And I got into it, I mean, if I had to be honest, it's because my dad was a broker for 50 years uh, before he ultimately passed away. So I was exposed to real estate that way. Early on, I took a, a small jaunt. I was I was a real estate attorney for a few years, early, early in my career. Went to law school, um, did sell some real estate during that time, actually, and, uh, and practiced for a few years. Really quickly found out that wasn't for me, got into um, selling myself, I had a very high producing real estate team in um, California, ended up running a small boutique brokerage, you know, later grew that to uh, a large brokerage, opened up quite a few, bro- I'm still the owner of quite a few large brokerages in California and some okay. in the Midwest. Um, along the way, I became a real estate coach and trainer, and that's where I put most of my focus today. It's Eisenhower Coaching and Consulting, and we we coach about 500 agents uh, across North America. One of the largest real estate coaching companies out there now. We have you know very large online platforms where we have about over 100,000 subscribers to that that go through our training materials and and are a part of our uh, real estate trainer community uh, and Facebook group online called the Real Estate Agent Roundtable. So we cultivate that and it's, I've been able to reach more people that way, which is kind of a big thing I learned along this now three decade journey, I guess, is I really like helping people and, um, and helping people succeed. And, you know, I did that for myself and then I did that for a small team. And then I was able to do that for a brokerage, then a bigger brokerage, then brokerages. And now I can get outside of my brokerages and and, and really try to help everybody. and, And I get a lot of value from that. And I've got to watch a lot, and that's that's really what pushes me. And of course, you know, success that comes with it, profits that come with that are great. But I've always found that it's good to have kind of a passion and inner desire for something other than money uh, fueling you. And and that's kind of what's continued to fuel. And lately, it's it's been really rewarding just because of so many changes. You know, with you know a global pandemic and you know things, you know, technology elevating at such a quick quick rate and now big shifts in the market so all of that it's created a lot of changing and a lot of needing to navigate businesses and make changes and quick shifts and pivots in businesses and that's really fun to be out in front of that stuff and and, and make decisions and, and strategize on what to do so uh, to, for me it's never been more fun than it is right now
1: awesome um, so, so you are not only coaching people on their businesses but simultaneously you are running real estate businesses you own several brokerages
0: yeah I will say that i'm I'm not I'm not really in the day to day of those brokerages anymore yeah, other people are running them but I do hired. I yeah. do kind of I'm there as a consultant and a coach when needed uh, you know every now and then I'll be involved in a hiring you know decision or something like that but if things are going well I, I really don't know what's going on let's put it that way
1: yeah okay so um, something I want to hit on today Brian I think there's no doubt I believe that the largest book that changed the real estate world was probably Gary Keller's The the Millionaire Real Estate Agent, right? I agree with that. MREA book. So anyway, that was a book that really taught people how to build a team. And I, I haven't seen a lot of other books around that, but word on the street is that you are now coming out with a book uh, really focused on real estate teams. Is that right?
0: Yeah, it is. And, and boy, you hit it right. That... Um... Wiley Publications, uh, which is a, a publisher, reached out to me. And I've written a few books before with different publishers, but Wiley is a kind of a well-known educational book publishing company, and they put a lot of great books out there through a lot of industries. They reached out to me a few years back, and we started collaborating on an effort. They said exactly what you just said. We need another book about real estate teams, an updated one. And one that got a little bit more specific about how to structure, how to run, uh, and how to successfully manage uh, a high-producing real estate team. So that's what we've been working on for about three years, and and it, it's much bigger project than I had uh, than I had imagined. But I'm happy to say it is now finished. Uh, it is made through made it all the way through copy editing, uh, formatting, and it is due to be released on September 28th of this year. So I'm thrilled to have that come out, and I really do think that we are in need of an update. I love the Millionaire Real Estate Agent book, and I respect Gary Keller at the highest levels. I learned so much from that book, and I, I think I've probably read it easily over 20 times. Um, I can quote specific pages in that book, uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, things have really changed uh, over, over the last 20 years, and, and things have evolved, and there's a lot of different ways to to structure a real estate agent's business. And I, I think the the High Performing Real Estate Team book goes into a lot of those different ways. From how to structure it, how to how to pay your people, how to hire your people, uh, how to run a team, how to how to manage it going forward, and so it really is intended not just for team leaders, but for entire teams to read together and help that team grow from agent production to size of the team to market share. Uh, very excited for that one to get out.
1: Great, sounds like it sounds like it's really targeted specifically at the team owner or someone wanting to become a team owner.
0: Yeah, I mean, but, but you're going to see it can be read by buyer's agents, listing specialists and admins as well, too. It kind of reinforces best practices for real estate teams and everybody on it. And it's also intended for the solo agent, too, because I have found over the years that solo agents want to know, is that, should I be on a team? Should I form a team? What does that look like? Um, it's hard to make those decisions if you don't know, um, what it takes. And this book tells you what it takes. So, I really think if you're in real estate, it's a good read for you. Period. Just so you uncover a lot of the myths about it, and you and, and you know, and can make the most informed decision on on where you want to go with your real estate career.
1: Okay, so I'd love to dig a little deeper into that. So you just sure. you just said, you know, for that individual agent, should I be on a team? Should I start a team? What's, you know, how, do, how do I know where to end up or, or should I just go be a solo agent somewhere? Which in my opinion is a really tough place to be right now, but I'd love to hear your opinions and really what, what the book would teach us in that, in that scenario.
0: Well, I will say everyone's different. So there's not one answer here. I, I want to clarify that, but I can speak in generalities very, yeah. very comfortably. Cause one of the things I told you about these brokerages, I had a big hand in growing them. And I was very much involved in the operations of them as they were being started and formed. Okay. You know, some of these brokerages have hundreds of agents in them. So I got a pretty good segment and I could, I could ascertain which agents, you know, an agent would get a license and come in and join the brokerage. Right. And after a while, you start to get a feel for the chances of success per agent. Right. So these agents would come in. And I would always say, okay, a solo agent would have a one in ten chance of succeeding. And and to me, succeeding means, you know, you're closing, you know, ten, fifteen transactions a year. You're living. I mean, you're not, you know, flying on jets and stuff, but you're you're, you're surviving in real estate, right? Yeah, surviving. Um, the
1: word. So yeah.
0: that's that that will will you, so it's about one in ten. So many of them would join and just disappear. You you never see them again or. Yeah. And these were big brokerages, so we had found that, hey, there was, it's really hard to judge a book by its cover, so until they come in, we'll see how they do, right? And that was the idea, and we'll give everybody the opportunity to succeed, we'll be there for everybody, but it's amazing how many just don't show up. I mean, I think the, the national average every year, stated by the National Association of Realtors, is 33% don't make it past their first year, and a shocking 87% don't make it past five years before they stop renewing their MLS dues and that's astonishing. So it's a very low success rate, it's a numbers game. But I, so that's why when I say one out of 10, it might've surprised you, but really if you look at your agent population in any multiple listing service across North America, you'll see about 50, 60% of the agent population has not closed a transaction in the last year. Yes. So that alone tells you, hey, there's there's a lot that need to go still. So one out of 10 students surprise you, but in our offices they were very big and they still are, so therefore they typically had a lot of the largest pro- or highest producing real estate teams within them. okay and they still do. And a lot of those teams were there because teams need agents, right So yeah. the value these big brokerages, well one of the values, oftentimes the chief value these big brokerages provide these agents is they provide them with agents. Right? Because if I'm the team leader of a team, I'm not just focused on getting listings. That's kind of playing small ball. If I'm focused on getting agents, that could bring me 10 to 20 listings a year. So getting, you know, getting more agents gets me a lot more transactions a lot more quickly than just focusing on getting listings. So if you're playing with people as instead of products, real estate teams will grow a lot faster. And and those types of concepts are why at ICC, we coach a lot of the highest producing real estate teams in North America. And they get so big and they get so leveraged. And so at these brokerages, we would see that. And I found that agents that came in that went on one of these teams had about a one in three shot at success. As opposed to a one in 10 shot. So that means they're more than three times more likely to survive if they go on a team. That's a long way around to give you the answer, but I had to tell you. No, it's a great answer. And I literally, this is after watching thousands of agents. Because, you know, there's a churn rate of all these new agents coming in and 33% not making it every year and all of the, you know, are leaving the business and even yeah. higher percentage leaving the brokerage or, or, or just drifting into the ether. You know, that's the big one is the drifting into the ether. I've got my license, but I don't really need to work and I don't really like, you know, and, and then pretty soon they disappear and they're at the house and you never see them in the office again and they sell one house every few years. Yes. A lot of that. So. Yeah. But again, I don't call those success stories. It is my, not just belief. I know because I, I often met these people when they first joined and their intentions when they first got that license and joined the brokerage were to set the world on fire. But then two to three years later, they see what it takes and those intentions change. Then it's like, well, I'm going to do more Airbnbs or I might start flipping homes or, you know, I'm going to work part time. And so the, the motivation change once we see that it's not all HG and TV. Yeah. Um, and, and, and we have to do some things to generate business. Yeah, I, I jumped into
1: real estate because I really love
0: seeing homes, right? Yeah. yeah. No, that's,
1: yeah. you're in the sales game now. And that's what you were talking about, Brian. You said this is a numbers game and it is a numbers game as far as the number of people, agents coming in and surviving, but it's also a numbers game as far as what you need to do to be successful. So can you talk about that for a minute?
0: Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, you're going to like this. Okay. So.
1: I, I'm obviously going to like this
0: because, I, yeah. Sisu, right? But. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and one thing about CSU and the platforms you put out there, that is one of the crucial things that we need to do to be successful. And, and you didn't tell me to say this. We didn't talk about this, but it does tie in with my book. We didn't talk about that either, but I talk about the five key components to running a successful real estate team. Okay. And I lay out these five components. Okay. And I just want to talk about one of them, which is component number four, which is having a team dashboard. We have got to have something that monitors those key activities, which I call ABIs, activity based indicators. Mm -hmm. Okay. A lot of people call KPIs, some sort of activities that we do on a daily basis to generate business. And then we've got to be able to see them somehow. And we've gotta be held accountable to doing them by someone so that we stay on top of it. And right now in this market, that's extremely hard to do. You know, there's low inventory, so agents are writing four and five times as many offers to do the same amount of transactions in this market. Now, even though they should, believe it or not, buyer's agents shouldn't be working so hard in this market, this is the easiest market for buyer's agents to operate in. I'm gonna say it again, this is the easiest market for buyer's agents to be operating in a hot seller's market because you don't have to show many homes. There aren't many homes to show. So it's a lot less work right now. You only have to show three or four properties to get one under contract, where in any other market you're showing 10, 20, even 30 properties to get one under contract. And that's the bulk of the time spent by a buyer's agent. But buyer's agents don't think that way right now. So you have to reset their mind if you're a team leader or a coach or a trainer or whoever's watching have to reset their mind. So they realize, Oh, wait a minute. At least I'm not showing property every night and every weekend right now. All I'm having to do is, is deal with the two negatives of a hot sellers market, which we have seen. I've had the fortune of seeing this is my third 2004, five and six was the last one. And what it means is you have to write four times as many offers, which doesn't take much time to write offers. So that's the hard part. You have to write more offers, which is a lot less time than it is showing more property, but you do have to deal with the negative aspect. And there is a very negative mental aspect that is associated with all that rejection. Yep. And not only for you, the agent, because you want to get paid and you just keep getting rejected and you just want to wring the neck of these listing agents and. Agents start behaving very badly towards each other because of all the anxiety and panic in the air. Because of the buyers themselves are so upset, they've got no one else to be upset with other than you, their buyer's agent. Because you're the person they're talking to, so they're mad at you. You didn't get them out. Yeah. Right. So then that creates. You're the
1: buyer's agent, and then the buyer's agent's mad at the listing
0: agent. Yeah. It's (laughs) just like a. It's just like a. Just a, a. a funnel of angst running through the entire industry. And they get mad at, mad at the lenders and they get mad that, you know, it just, it just flows all the way through. So even though it's this red heart market that has record sales volume and listen to this record inventory, that's the one that most people don't get to. We've never had more listings than this, but it doesn't feel like it because they're only here for a split second. But then you go back and look at each month and we have record numbers of sales volume. Well, yeah. if there's record numbers of sales volume, there there has to be record numbers of listings because it takes a listing to get a sale. Yeah. But people yeah. don't realize that. So we have more listings that we can handle. We just have out of control buyer demand.
1: Yeah, that's so, a really interesting way to look at it. I don't think I've heard anybody say this year that we have record inventory. But the reality is we do for a day, right? I mean, record number of homes hitting the market.
0: We've never had more listings hit the market, never. Well, 2005 uh, and six are real close, but we're gonna pass them this year.
1: Okay, so the that's a great, great piece of advice. Thank you for sharing that, I love that. Um, the other thing you shared that really stands out to me is in a normal market, you're just gonna go out and you're gonna show five or 10 homes, but wouldn't you rather write four offers than do that? Because it takes less of your time. So really great way to look at it I think just that perception of my wife runs a real estate team so I see you know sometimes the agents feeling like oh it's impossible to get someone under contract right some of the agents feel that way and others are like oh yeah I can go out and get someone under contract no big deal right it's just how do you feel about it and are you sharpening your skills to do it but well, so think, Brian think about for-
0: it this way as it relates to siSU I mean you've got buyer pipelines right um, where, where we actually are looking at all of your Uh, your A leads or or your hot leads or your most active buyers, whatever you want to call them. And and we manage those in the pipeline. Yes. In this type of market, the key that you need to focus on as an agent, as an activity-based indicator is not how how many I'm putting under contract. It's how many active buyers do I have in my pipeline? Okay. And that should be in front of our teams every single week. Because this year I'm using very round numbers and it's different in different parts of the country, but it's similar in every part of the country. You might have, to, or let's, let's put it this way last year, if you wanted to close 20 buyer side transactions, you probably had to work with 30 buyers because 10 of them just aren't going to get a house, right? They're, they're going to be unrealistic. They're, they're going to need closing costs. They're going to, have an FHA loan or something, you know, or for whatever reason, 10 of them aren't going to make it. This year, if you want to close 20 transactions, you're looking at, you need to probably be working with 60 to 80 buyers because a good solid 66 to 75% of buyers are not going to be able to get a home. If you've been enjoying Grit, please help us continue to grow the channel by leaving a five-star review and sharing it with a friend. Now back to Grit. I mean, if you've got a loan at all, it's a red flag, let alone an FHA or a VA, or you need closing costs, or you're even remotely unrealistic, or you're slightly picky about the location or the home you want, or you're just not quick enough, all of those things so we can't get hung up as agents on one particular buyer or we're gonna blow our whole career and and we're not gonna be able to successfully help our other clients that are able to buy. It'd be like a doctor getting frustrated because he has to tell a client that they've got cancer and then getting very sad and not being able to operate or deliver a baby. You know what I'm saying? Like you have to be professional and there's going to be some people you have to tell they have cancer and there's going to be some people that you have to deliver a baby to and you can't take the the mental negativity from one scenario into the other. You're going to have to be professional and shut it down. And being a realtor isn't all about happy roses and unicorns. You know, we do get to deliver babies when we hand the keys to our buyer, but then we also have to tell people they have cancer too. And some people need to go borrow money from a family member to buy something cash and then hopefully refinance it later like we have to have those conversations now and there's going to be a lot of people who can't do that so therefore they're not going to buy a house and if we get hung up on the on the one or two buyers we have that can't get a home we're not going to keep generating more buyers that can because we have to get through 80 to get 20 type of scenario it's a numbers game and we have to play.
1: That's all great advice, Brian. Thanks for sharing. It's a perspective I haven't necessarily heard, and I'm talking to people every day in this business. So thank you. Good. Um, Thanks. What is the name of your new book?
0: The name of the new book is The High-Performing Real Estate Team. The Higher-Performing Real uh, the Estate The High-Performing Real Estate The team. High-Performing Real Estate Team. Okay. That's not too innovative on the
1: title. Okay. So The High-Performing Real Estate Team, you covered point number four in detail. Can you just give us what are points one, two, three, and five?
0: Yeah, in in a uh, in a nutshell, we're going to talk about a goal. Okay, and we call it a viral goal. It's a goal that you know a team goal or an organizational goal. It could this could be a brokerage too, by by the way, it doesn't have to be necessarily a real estate team. Yeah. Um, so it's a viral goal. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Real Estate Trainer Podcast, sponsored by Eisenhower Coaching and Consulting. For more information about real estate coaching or to watch my training videos, check out therealestatetrainer.com or join our Facebook called The Real Estate Agent Roundtable. Thanks again.